Hello and welcome to the Forest of the Fae. Here on Pop Culture Fae, we take a look at movies, TV, comics, and other popular media through the lens of the queer folks of society. I am Miller C. Lashbrook, and I am your host on your journey through the Forest of the Fae. This week on Pop Culture Fae, the MCU is back, baby! And I am going to share my thoughts on the She-Hulk Attorney at Law premiere. Then in an informational segment, I will talk about She-Hulk's comic book publication history. Uh, But first, here is your Faye News. This is Faye News. In this segment, I will cover this week's big entertainment news that caught my eye. In uh, Marvel MCU news, of course, uh, it's our topic for today. She-Hulk has premiered on Disney Plus with its first episode. In other MCU news, Spider-Man No Way Home, the more fun stuff edition. This is sort of a extended edition they're releasing in theaters in a few weeks. Uh, It was announced that it it has 11 minutes of new footage. So uh, you'll have to determine whether or not it's worth seeing again in theaters when it's back in theaters uh, Labor Day weekend. In Disney news, uh, National Treasure 3, um, an upcoming movie, uh, was announced to be in the works. Um, interesting, since they have an upcoming show coming to Disney Plus as well. So it seems like they're working on kind of bringing back this brand um, in multiple ways. Also, in other um, Disney movie news, uh, directors Burton Birdie, who uh, directed a couple episodes of the Hawkeye series on Disney Plus were announced to be directing an upcoming Big Thunder Mountain movie for Disney based on the famous uh, Disney attraction. In other movie news, Spirit Halloween the movie released a trailer. Um, I don't. <laughs> I, I honestly don't know what to say about this upcoming movie. Um, it is a looks like a middle grade slash uh, young adult aimed horror movie that takes place in a spirit Halloween store. Uh, it's a lot, lot to unpack there. <laughs> um, also in other movie news, uh, we got first look images at the upcoming Hunger Games prequel movie being made based on uh, the book by um, Suzanne Collins. In streaming news, we got a trailer for Netflix and Tim Burton's upcoming Wednesday series, which is an Adams Family spinoff. Uh, this looks fantastic. And also in streaming news, uh, House of the Dragon, the Game of Thrones prequel, uh, premieres tonight on HBO and HBO Max. Uh, so I'm definitely looking forward to that. Uh, I know a lot of people did not care for the last season of Game of Thrones, but overall, the show Game of Thrones is like one of the best TV shows of all time. So uh, when you're looking at it holistically, so I will definitely be tuning in to watch this show. And in gaming news, um, this weekend was the Pokemon World Championship in London for the um, trading card game and the video game tournaments. 
And uh, today, as part of the closing ceremonies, they released a short new trailer for Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, which showcased some new battle mechanics and a new Pokemon, uh, Cyclizar, I believe is how it's said, which looks to maybe possibly be um, a pre-evolution for the two mascot legendaries of the game. So maybe it will be uh, kind of like what we got in Sun and Moon, where we have one little um, pre-evolution legendary that has a branched evolution line to become either of the box art uh, legendaries. And in um, in other gaming news, in tabletop gaming news, there was a Wizards Presents this past week where um, Wizards of the Coast, um, owner of Dungeons & Dragons, uh, they release some new D&D related information. It was released that the upcoming Dragonlance uh, campaign book will be the first book to have a physical digital bundle. So uh, for, I believe, the the normal kind of price range for a um, campaign book is around uh, $49.99 usually. This book, if you get it for $59.99, so uh, $10 more then you get the physical book plus um a digital copy for D beyond so uh this is i think what uh when when wizards bought D beyond this was one of the big things that fans were looking forward to because they've been asking for um digital codes with their physical books for a very long time now uh, but even bigger news out of this wizards presents was the announcement of one DD. I don't know if that name is going to stick around, but the basic idea is they want uh, the next version of DD that they are working on to be the version of DD that kind of sticks around. So they are trying to take what fifth edition got right and perfect the formula. Specifically, they're looking at um, publishing new versions of the Dungeon Master's Guide Player Handbook and Monster Manual uh, under this new kind of initiative of 1D&D, which takes the 5th edition rules and kind of builds off of it. So their goal is for, it sounds like they're doing a 5.5 edition, essentially. Uh, They said all of the existing books for 5th edition should still work with this new um, core rule set. It'll just be an updated version of 5th edition that can really stand the test of time. Um, There's a lot to unpack there. I could do a whole episode kind of talking about all the new news and the the playtest content that they are testing for this new um, set of books, but it really looks like Wizards is making an effort to make D&D not only accessible for new fans, but really um, putting player choice at the center of the decisions that they're making. It really looks like they're taking a cue from the best parts of um, 3.5 edition and um, Pathfinder and combining that with the... um, new player friendly aspects of fifth edition and kind of marrying those two together um i i i I think uh for the most part the the material in the playtest content looks like 
looks pretty promising for what they have coming up. So uh, for D&D fans, lots to get excited for there. Um, that concludes uh, Fey news for this week. Uh, next up, we're talking She-Hulk. Alrighty, so let's talk She-Hulk Attorney at Law. I'm going to break up uh, today's uh, segment into two parts. This first part, I'm going to talk about the uh, premiere of She-Hulk Attorney at Law. Uh, and then the second part, I'm going to talk about She-Hulk's um, publication history as a character. Um so if you have not watched the first episode of She-Hulk on Disney+, Plus, uh, it is a little over half an hour. Pause here. Go watch it and uh, come back and listen because uh, this first part, I am going to talk spoilers for the premiere. Okay. Uh, everybody who hasn't seen it is gone? Okay, cool. So um, my initial reaction to the premiere of She-Hulk Attorney at Law is that this show's great. <laughs> I know, um, I mean, ever since the first trailer of this show dropped, and even before that, when they announced that She-Hulk was going to be a Disney Plus series, there were many fans who were skeptical specifically about the CGI of it all. Um, and of course, also there's like the toxic fans who don't want to give, who, who don't want to have any kind of solo project led uh, by a, a, a female Marvel character, but um, they can get out of my fandom because uh, we don't want that kind of toxic toxicity here. Um, but the CGI conversation, I think there's definitely there's a lot to unpack in that, which I am not really, I don't really want to spend too much time on um, with this discussion of the first episode um, because it, so much has already been said about it. Um, this is a TV show and the, the CGI is not M Marvel movie level CGI. Whether you think that, is acceptable or not is really for you to determine on your own. Um, I'm just going to take it for what it is. I am more concerned about story and character. Uh, it's not distracting for me. I don't think it's really distracting. I think there's maybe only one time in the first episode that my brain really made note of uh, the quality of the CGI. And it was during the uh, the 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 fight slash um, wrestle match of um, Jennifer and Bruce uh, when they were arguing. But um, I think if you if you have issues with the CGI in the show or the way that uh, Marvel is approaching their CGI overall and some of the stories that have come out, um, you have every right to have issue with that. Um, and 
but I'm going to focus on story here. So I wanted to get that out of the way. Um, so in terms of story, this show is funny. It is fun. And <sighs> I, I, I wanted the episode to be longer because I really enjoyed it. Um, I think that was my main kind of gripe with it is I know they wanted this to be a half hour legal comedy. They've been saying that from the beginning. So we all should have expected that, which I did. Um, But like they didn't need to do that to themselves. (laughs) Like, like, Marvel Studios decided that this was going to be 30-minute episodes rather than 40 or 50 or an hour. Um, And I think... uh, I don't know. It's tough because we're just coming off of about uh, a month gap of Marvel content between Ms. Marvel and She-Hulk. And I... I like having my Marvel content every week. I like I I've gotten very much used to having these Disney Plus shows and having something Marvel to talk about quite often. Um, and of course, like we got I am Groot last week, um, but that was kind of like a it, it was it was a little it was like a snack. It wasn't like a whole meal <laughs> of sorts, and. I don't know. I guess I'm still not 100% sold that one episode a week is the best choice for the MCU. Um, Or at least what I would want the MCU to do. Um, I I think maybe Stranger Things season uh, four is the reason that a lot of us are having this conversation because they did that weird kind of let's drop a couple here, a couple there strategy and then you have like hulu who a lot of times will drop the first three episodes of a new season and then do one a week after that um i think the boys on amazon did that as well and so the release strategy i think all the streaming services are still figuring out what is best um specifically i i guess i'm thinking about in the landscape of media today and the way we approach it and the way we like to talk about something right away and sometimes that conversation doesn't even carry for like another 24 hours after the thing is released would it be more equitable in terms of fan time not equitable um economic sorry wrong word would it be more economic um for fan time to drop more over less amount of time or less over a more over over a longer period of time uh, i'd definitely be interesting to see what the conversation around andor looks like because we're supposed to be getting like uh drama series level at like length of episodes so i'm guessing they're going to be anywhere from like 40 to 60 minutes an episode 
we're getting one episode a week for 12 weeks. That's a long time to talk about one show every Wednesday um, for now, uh, or like in terms of like 2022. Obviously, um, back when network TV was the forefront of television, we were getting like 22 episode seasons of shows. And so um, HBO and Netflix really were like the two things that kind of moved things into the 10 to 12 episode range uh, with their shows. Uh, Game of Thrones really kind of being the first one with that, with the 10 episode seasons, um, kind of treating each season like a little mini series. Um, yeah. So back to the show itself though. Um, Tatiana Maslany, amazing as Jennifer Walters instantly. I love her as a character and instantly I want more of this character everywhere. I want more of this character in the movies, in the TV shows. Uh, I want her to become a staple of the MCU. Um, and to give you a little bit of context on my relationship with She-Hulk as a character, um, I've read some of Charles Soule's uh, run, a, a few issues of his run, and a few issues of Dan Slott's um, run. I think I've read the first volume of each of their runs on She-Hulk. Um, but that is it for solo series. Everything else that I've read of She-Hulk is her appearances in team books or events like Empire or Civil War or Avengers Disassembled or Secret Wars or A-Force. And so I just am so excited to see her interact more and more with an ensemble of characters in the MCU and get to know more and more people. Because from the comic standpoint, her relationships with other superheroes is one of the things that I love the most. Not only, of course, seeing her interact with Matt Murdock slash Daredevil as a character, because they're both warriors, but also her wonderful friendships with um, other Marvel heroines, specifically Jessica Drew, Jessica Jones, Patsy Walker, uh, Carol Danvers uh, are kind of the key ones off the top of my head that I really enjoy seeing her interact with. And so I'd love, honestly, to see an A-Force project that could be a movie or a TV show where Tatiana Maslany is leading the team as She-Hulk. I think that would be really, really fun. I think going in with the expectation, uh, on another note, that this was a half-hour legal comedy and that comedy was going to be the focus knowing that with my knowledge of the character knowing that she generally speaking is in lighthearted stories and uh satire it has is a really big part of her history i i loved the starting right away with <laughs> um a very meta opening her breaking the fourth wall and then going back and let's getting her getting getting her origin it's come out from the creators that apparently her origin the whole like plot with bruce that we got in this episode was originally supposed to be episode eight i am very glad that they shuffled things around and made it episode one because 
uh, I think it's great that we get context. Bruce is a great anchor for for the story as a part of the MCU. He's a character we're familiar with, and we can get to know Jen through him in this first episode. And now we know her. We kind of know her um, what her path is going to be as a character, that this is a story about her kind of denying that she is a Hulk uh, and that she... Um, could be a superhero and struggling with like they reference in the episode great power and great responsibility and how one balances their life after a huge change um and i was going to get into this in the but is she gay segment later on in the episode but the idea of someone finding a new version of themselves in this case jennifer um becoming she-hulk or um in kind of a metaphorical sense it kind of reminded me of queer people who come out and uh there's this new aspect of who they are and how the world sees them and there are a lot of queer people who come out and then they think that's it. They've done the work. Uh, and they, this was, I think this is an experience that a lot of queer people go through. I went through it a little bit myself where you then for a little bit while after that coming out process, you have to balance the, uh, your life a little bit in pre coming pre uh, I guess, closeted version of yourself, the person that you were while closeted around friends and family and whomever versus this new, um, open, more honest version of yourself and finding uh, finding the balance between the two. Because the old version of yourself wasn't ne- isn't necessarily always a lie. The closeted version of you is part of who you are too. Um, I think once upon a time exploring duality of personalities as a show to kind of hint at last week's episode where we talked about once upon a time deals with similar issues of this as well. Um, and I'm superhero stories in general, but this idea that Jen is, she's like, okay, yeah, I'm a Hulk, whatever. This is part of who I am. And then she just wants to go back to doing her life the way it was. And then realizing especially at the end of this episode when Titania barges into the courtroom that her life is not that simple anymore and that she can't just be Jennifer Walters attorney at law. She is now She-Hulk attorney at law and she has to manage and balance that duality of who she is just like when I go home and visit family, um, and this is not uh, as much of a thing anymore because I've been out for a while now, but especially in those first couple of years that I came out um, as queer, going home and from college and balancing the version of Miller that existed pre-coming out and this new out proud college version of Miller and finding that middle ground, which I think now as a 
26 year old who's been out for the past uh, eight years of uh, their life, I can say that I have found kind of that person in the middle, still struggle sometimes, <laughs> but I found that middle ground. Um, I think it's going to be really something special to watch Jennifer kind of go through that as a character um, because she's not a Peter Parker or Kamala Khan who get superpowers and then are just immediately like, well, heck yeah, I'm going to become a superhero. For her, she's like, no, I just want to keep doing my life and um, keep going about my life the way it was before. And I think that's going to be a really fun, uh, an emotional story to watch. And then with all the comedy elements thrown in there, it'll be a fun way, a fun journey to go on with her as a character. Plus, it looks like we're going to get a lot of cameos. It looks like we're going to get some interesting world building for the MCU. Uh, I think a courtroom is a great place to world build the MCU in terms of laws and characters and the way that not only superhumans are interacting with the world post Endgame, but also how the um, everyday person is interacting with the world post Endgame and how the legal system is. I think it, I think this show is going to be fantastic. It's going to be up there with. I. I don't. I don't want to predict. I don't want to project and get and say exactly where I think it's going to go in ranking for me of Disney Plus shows. But I think we're starting off on a really strong start, and this has the potential. I'll say to be up there with the Lokis and the Moon Knights uh, and uh, WandaVision's in its own tier. That's up there for me uh, as my favorite Disney Plus series. But I think uh, it has potential to really be something special, this show. So I'm looking forward to watching eight more episodes of this show. Uh, and in over the next eight weeks, I think it will be a great Marvel kind of thing to look forward to every Thursday, especially in this semester leading up to my wedding later this year. I have, <laughs> I, I am, uh, I, it, it's something nice to kind of look forward to every week as planning intensifies uh, leading up to my wedding in November. So those are my thoughts on the premiere. Uh, we're going to take a short break here. And afterward, I will talk the publication history of She-Hulk, give you a little comic book history lesson. Alrighty, it is time for a history lesson on She-Hulk as a character. I'm going to talk about her publication history to provide a little bit of context to uh, the new show, especially for those that have uh, not read a lot of her comics or have not read any of her comics. Uh, so She-Hulk, AKA Jennifer Walters, was created by Stan Lee and artist John Buscema. Uh, and she first appeared in The Savage She-Hulk number one in 1980. Uh, so just kind of interesting note here. Um, in the Silver and Bronze Ages, 
uh, it was rare to kind of get a new character appearing in a number one of their own. Um, it still kind of is today. A lot of times you'll get characters introduced in other things first, and then they'll go on to have their own solo series. Um, so interesting that she, right off the bat, had her own solo series. It is said that her creation uh, was actually a uh, because of copyright. So uh, as the story goes, the Incredible Hulk TV show was very popular at the time as was the Bionic Woman television series. And Marvel Comics was afraid that the Incredible Hulk TV show would introduce a female Hulk in some capacity because of the Bionic Woman's popularity. And they they didn't want that to happen before they did it in the comics because then the intellectual property around a female Hulk would then be more owned by the show rather than the comics. Um, I guess it has something to do with the way the licensing worked for the TV show and everything. So uh, they created She-Hulk to make sure that the copyright of a female Hulk character stayed with Marvel Comics rather than the Incredible Hulk TV show. Again, according to stories. In her origin, she is established as a lawyer who, uh, after an injury, received an emergency blood transfusion from her cousin, Bruce Banner, and acquired a milder version of his Hulk condition. As such, Walters becomes a large, powerful, green-hued version of herself. So obviously, for those that have watched the She-Hulk premiere, uh, the She-Hulk attorney at law premiere, rather, on Disney+, Plus they tweet with her origin a little bit. So in the comics, it's a blood transfusion. In the new show, it is um, an accident that their blood mixes together. Uh, so interesting change in the origin there. Unlike uh, Bruce Banner, she largely retains her personality, in particular the majority of her intelligence and emotional control. Um, but like Hulk, she is still susceptible to outbursts of anger, and she does become much stronger when enraged. And this seems to be consistent in the TV show based on the first episode. Uh, all but the first issue of The Savage She-Hulk um, was written by, um, or all but the first issue were written by David Anthony Kraft and penciled by Mike Vosberg. Uh, and most of the issues were inked by Frank Springer. This initial series lasted for 25 issues. Early on in her publication, there was a running gag in many in her solo series and also many of her guest appearances that Jennifer and She-Hulk uh, had a lot of trouble with cars. So it kind of makes her... Uh, the change of her origin in the TV show kind of fitting, right? That she uh, gets her abilities because of a car accident. So I, I think that was a fun kind of little factoid to share. Uh, She-Hulk became an Avenger in Avengers number uh, 221. And after the initial Secret Wars event in the 80s, She-Hulk 
uh, actually became a Fantastic Four member for a little bit. Uh, she took over kind of, I guess, the tank role of the team when the thing decided to take a break from the Fantastic Four for a little bit. So she filled in for Ben Grimm on the team during that time. Writer and artist John Byrne, who um, is has now become very much associated with She-Hulk, um, first drew her in Avengers number 233 in July of 83. And he first wrote her uh, in Marvel graphic novel number 18 titled The Sensational She-Hulk in 1985, which he also uh, drew uh, as well. In 1989, The Sensational She-Hulk, so same title as the graphic novel, became a solo series and ran for 60 issues, 27 of which were written and drawn by John Byrne. This run is really when his name became to be associated with She-Hulk. This series also brought comedy and satire to the forefront of Jennifer's stories. With her breaking the fourth wall, and being aware of her status as a comic book character, uh, specifically as a comic book heroine. Um, her uh, awareness of her being a comic book character also let uh, John Byrne kind of push the envelope and other creators push the envelope with her as a character in regards to uh, the comic books code authority. Um, and there is a, a, apparently a famous issue in which on the cover, she is posing nude and covering her um, her um, top and bottom with uh, little panels that say comics code approved. So this book was definitely pushing the boundaries at the time uh, for what Marvel was doing with their comics in terms of censorship with the comics code authority. Uh, through the late 80 or the late 90s, excuse me, and the early 2000s, uh, she didn't have her own series, but made frequent appearances in other books, including her infamous appearance in Avengers Disassembled, uh, the Avengers storyline, where let's just say, because I don't want to spoil it, if you've never read that storyline, it's great. Um, it's a great Wanda storyline and ties very much into House of M, if you've never read that. Anyway. Uh, let's just say she has a very intense confrontation with Vision, uh, iconic panel. In 2004, She-Hulk got her own solo series again, uh, this time written by Dan Slott and drawn by Juan uh, Babilio, or Babillo? Babillo, sorry. Uh, the series focused heavily on She-Hulk as a lawyer for superhuman crimes, which kind of became a staple of her books. Uh, here in the 2000s. The series uh, was well received by critics, but did not sell well. So it lasted 12 issues. Uh, but the same creative team came back for uh, what Marvel called a second season of the series in 2005, where they wrote another 21 issues, uh, where they created another 21 issues, rather. And that series is taken over by Peter David um, afterward, starting with issue 22. Uh, until its cancellation with issue 38. Writer Charles Soule wrote another solo series uh, for 12 issues in 2014 for the character. In 2015, 
2016, She-Hulk starred in the A-Force series, um, the first volume of which was part a tie-in to the Secret Wars event. Uh, and then the, the second volume was back on uh, Earth-616. A-Force uh, is a all-female Avengers team that She-Hulk led. Uh, along with some other characters on it, like Carol Danvers, Nico Minoru. It is a great series written by G. Willow Wilson. <clears throat> Following uh, Bruce Bruce's death, Hulk, Hulk's death, in the Civil War II event, uh, Jennifer took over the Hulk solo series. So her book was just titled Hulk uh, between 2016 and 2018. This series uh, was definitely much more serious than most of her other stories, however. And most recently in 2022, she once again got her own solo series titled She-Hulk, written by Rainbow Rowell, uh, which kind of brought back the lighthearted sense of humor to the series that she's kind of known for. So that's a little bit about her um, publication history. There's a lot more to dive in there. There's a lot to kind of, uh, that you could get into in terms of character history and what she's gone through and everything. But I am someone who I'm always going to encourage you to go and read the stuff yourself. Um, I spent a lot of my early days as a comic fan, just kind of taking in storylines with like YouTube recap videos and reading Wikipedia articles. But I found that nothing really compares to reading the actual comic yourself. So um, based on what I've read of She-Hulk, which is actually not a lot, I the show is definitely making me want to um, read more of her series. I would for sure recommend um reading a force if you want to get to know jen uh in a team context especially a team of women and see how she kind of interacts with her fellow female superheroes and i would also recommend the dance slot and charles souls uh runs of she hulk because it really seems like those runs in particular are the main inspiration for she hulk attorney at law the disney plus series so that kind of concludes our little history lesson here for She-Hulk. I hope that was informative. Maybe there's some comic books in there that you now want to go read. Uh, and so uh, definitely go check those books out because I think you will get something out of it for sure. Uh, next up, we will have But Is She Gay and the Weekly Recommendations. It is time for a segment that I lovingly call, But Is She Gay? In this segment of Pop Culture Fay, I discuss how our weekly topic speaks to the queer condition. Uh, this week, we're talking She-Hulk, baby. This uh, show, so I already talked uh, a little bit about the kind of emotional side of the show and how I think in terms of... Uh, kind of queer metaphor the show could kind of tie into that in the um 
in our main segment today. But in terms of the vibe of the show, I mean, the show is very femme and camp and has like a cheek to it. And so I think in that regard, many in the queer community will enjoy it because that content tends to kind of vibe with um, queer people. Uh, there, There's definitely an element of kind of drag in just She-Hulk herself, this idea that She-Hulk is this heightened, hyper-feminine version of Jen, that it's kind of, uh, she is kind of this, uh, almost like the drag character of Jennifer Walters, if you will. I think that is definitely an interesting take to kind of look at the show at. And also just um, feminism is a really important aspect of the show and really breaking down and looking at what it's like to be a woman, uh, to be a woman in the MCU, and to be a female superhero in the MCU, um, or just a female superhero in general. And I think those are all things that uh, the queer community might enjoy seeing in their content um, that they consume. So I think this show, Jeff, definitely, uh, if we're asking, uh, is Jennifer Walter gay? Uh, I, I, I don't believe so. Or I don't know, but is the show gay? Yeah, the, the show is gay. Uh, in regards to themes uh, that the show is exploring, speaking to the queer community, I definitely show, think the show works for that. Um, moving into my weekly recommendations. So I already mentioned my comics recommendation in the main segment, but the A-Force comic series, uh, both, both volumes written by G. Willow Wilson uh, are fantastic. The first volume is a great look at the battle world setting of the Secret Wars event uh, and kind of tying into that. And it leads very well into volume two, which takes place on Earth 616 on the main in the main Marvel Universe. I think they're both enjoyable series, a great look at some great female characters in the Marvel Universe. And uh, Jennifer Walters is a key part of that team. So I think you'll enjoy it. My TV recommendation for this week, I'm going to have it kind of um, not be tied to what we're talking about this week. And that is What We Do in the Shadows, season four. Uh, it is, it's still airing. They're still airing new episodes. Uh, this week, I believe, is season four, episode eight is going to come out this Tuesday on FX and Hulu. This show is so good. If you love comedy, if you love uh, satire, if you like mockumentaries, then watch this show. Um, it's made by Taika Waititi and Jermaine Clement, and it is just so, so funny. Oh my goodness. Making fun of vampires, but also just supernatural horror um, and like monster movies in general. And it's just, it, it it's so great. If you have not watched What We Do in the Shadows, it's fantastic. Give it a try. Uh, there's also a great movie that they did beforehand, which the show is based on, um, with Taika Waititi. Uh, he directed and starred in the movie, and it is also fantastic. Same concept mockumentary about vampires. So funny. Go watch it, please. And my film recommendation for this week, tying back into our topic, is to go rewatch Thor Ragnarok, because... That ship <laughs> in episode one of She-Hulk uh, was said to, it was mentioned in the show that it was from Sakaar, which we see in Ragnarok. So 
seems like we uh, might get a, a little bit more about what exactly Hulk was doing while on Sakaar, or at least they're hinting at it. I don't know if we're going to see that in this show or if that is going to come about in another Marvel project. Uh, but anyone who's read the Planet Hulk storyline might have an idea of where this could be going. Uh, so interesting developments there for Bruce as a character. That concludes uh, the weekly recommendations for this week. Alrighty, well, thank you for joining me today in talking about She-Hulk. You know I'm always down to talk Marvel and the MCU. If you're listening and enjoying the podcast, please give it a review on your podcasting platform. If you leave a five-star review uh, and leave a question in there, I will answer it next week on the podcast. Um, Every five-star review really helps to get the podcast out there to more people. Uh, And in addition to that, if you have a friend who would like the podcast, make sure to share it with them so that you can help to grow our little community here. Once again, I am Miller C. Lashbrook. You can find me on Twitter at Mill C. Lashbrook, on Instagram at Miller C. Lashbrook. Uh, Definitely reach out to me, Talk Marvel, um, on social media. And for more Pop Culture Fae, you can head to my website, popculturefae.com, for blog posts and more content. I hope that you all have a fantastic day. Once again, I want to thank... Uh, any of the new listeners, because I have seen uh, some of the listen numbers start to take up a little bit. And I also want to thank the returning listeners, those that have been coming back week after week, uh, whether you're someone that I know um, in my personal life or not, I appreciate you. And uh, you you make my day every time I see uh, the little views go up. So thank you so much. Uh, have a fantastic day. And I hope to find you the next time you wander into the forest of pop culture fame.